Chris Howell Communications. This is Principles for Success, the Chris Howell Podcast. Success is something we all want to attain in the various areas of our lives, but it can be challenging. So in this podcast, Chris aims to have conversations with those who have achieved a level of success and hopes that principles they share will help you to remove the roadblocks and move you to victory, whether it's relationships, business, or any other area of life. Are you ready for success? Here we go. All right. Thank you, Joy, for that introduction and welcome to the show. It is the uh, Principles for Success, the Chris Howell podcast. And tonight we have a great show lined up for you. So um, thank you so much for downloading the podcast and actually listening to it. Uh, we really appreciate that. want to encourage you to share with a friend or loved one as well, because again, uh, we all want to be successful, right? So make sure you share with your friends and loved ones as well. Well, joining me tonight also is uh, the one and only Oscar Hawk Hawkins. What up, Hawk? What's up, everybody? We got a dope show tonight. You better believe dope it. Show. Very special guest tonight. And if you have noticed, of course, we are missing one of our, one of the trio. She's out on vacation. That is Coco Mitchell. She's out on vacation right now. But uh, of course, again, we still have a great show lined up and she'll be back with us soon. Now, joining us tonight is a young man. I want to read his bio and we're excited about having him on and we don't want to hold him long. So I'm going to read his bio to you and we're going to jump right into the conversation. Uh, but this young man is a uh, two time regional Emmy winner, 12 time nominee. He's from Dallas, Texas. He's a director, producer, writer and editor. Jared has completed two seasons, 17 episodes total of his 2021 daytime Emmy nominated indie series, Hashtag Washed. Couch's career highlights consist of a five-year stint at ESPN, including launching a network and three seasons leading creative for Major League Baseball Texas Rangers. Jared's work has been featured in Inc. Magazine, USA Today, Sports Illustrated, and Yahoo Sports. Despite 15 years of experience creating content, Hashtag Washed is Jared's foray into filmmaking and long-form scripted content. Now, Jared envisions his career evolving into a showrunner and is currently laying the foundation with season two of hashtag washed and he has built his team from 30 to 150 members on the cast and crew now couch relishes in the intricacies of organization and culture building marketing and overall strategy of television film which is fortified by his radio tv film and mba degrees from the university of texas at austin he's a texas native jared couch i gotta make sure i get his name right jared couch welcome to the show brother (laughs) thank you for having me chris absolutely man What's up, man? You, you two, been? you two got some chemistry there because you guys had the opportunity to work together. Oh yeah, Hawk was an instrumental uh, part of Wash on screen and behind the scenes. So spent a lot of time with uh, Mr. Hawkins back in what was that? When did we shoot? 2019? I think it was 2018. Yeah. 18? It's been a long time, but feels like yesterday. <laughs> yeah, man. But you know, we got connections that go back further than that, though. Yeah, yeah, Wilma Hutchins. Come on now, talk about it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Y'all going way back in the gap for folks who are familiar with Dallas, Texas, and Wilma Hutchins. Y'all way back in the gap. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we Not the same year, though. Yeah. Just okay. the same school, man. Okay. But we didn't realize that until later on after after filming a few episodes. Okay. But, but once, we reali- once we realized that, we realized we understand why something special for both of us, you know what I'm saying? Why, yeah. why, why we, while we connect so good. <laughs> All right. Absolutely, man. Well, let's talk about Absolutely. that. Let's, let's get into this a little bit more then, man. I mean, so you talked about, you know, Dallas and Wilmer Hutchins. I mean, what made you or inspired you to actually go into the film industry? Well, uh, it's a good question. So I, I grew up 
just south of Dallas, like you said, Wilmer Hutchins. Um, I grew up listening to sports talk radio, and I listened to the ticket growing up ever since I was about 10, 11 years old. So I had the had the humor of a 50-year-old man at the age of 11. And uh, so I went to the University of Texas with my sights set on, all right, I'm going to go work in sports broadcasting. Um, and, you know, you have these plans, and then they morph. <laughs> and uh, so I started working at the student television station when I was a freshman. Uh, got that under my belt. My second semester as a freshman, I cr- freshman I created my own TV show, and uh, so I was working in sports and doing my own hip hop television show. And then things just kind of evolved, and I kept taking you know script writing classes. And then the film aspect of it, as you mentioned in my bio, kind of came a little later because I went off to ESPN, did the sports television dream. It, it wasn't quite actually sports radio as I intended on, but it was still at ESPN, and I did that for five years. And one thing led to another, and then I found myself in 2017, I believe, uh, I had the idea for Washed and kind of dove head into this indie filmmaking. Um, So I guess it's just a testament to you kind of got an idea of where you want to go in life, but you, no one truly knows the roadmap and, you know, it has different, you know, detours. And right now it's, it's film. Yeah. Yeah. I want to back up a moment though. To something you said you said that when you were 11 you had the mindset of a 50 year old man so who were you <laughs> listening to back then that gave you the inspiration to do what you're doing man so you know on the ticket back then i don't know if y'all know who kurt menifee is but kurt menifee's on the fox uh pregame show now but he was on the ticket way back when he was getting to start and i had knew him from watching local news because he had the tv show too so when i heard him on radio i was like i stopped and was like let me listen to this so i listened to kurt but then i listened to bob and dan the hard line you know, even on the the talk radio side, I was listening to, you know, Kid Craddock on 106, but then also Nanette Lee and Skip and all those folks coming up. Um, and then eventually Skip Cheatham took over and now it's, uh, you know, Lady Jade and uh, Dee Dee in the morning. So uh, a lot of the Dallas people influenced me growing up, you know, radio wise. It wasn't till I got older when I started studying like film. Hmm. Have you had a chance to run into any of those people that you mentioned? Oh, yeah. I got this one uh, gift and it's I always I will email anybody. So when I was in college, I was emailing uh, Bob Stern, one of the uh, lead hosts over at the ticket. And lucky he's a good guy and he would respond and and give me advice. Um, So I would. um, Yeah, I talk to those those folks often. I I, I would say I talk to them often, but uh, I would talk to them every once in a while via email. And actually, I would uh, try to run up on them whenever they was doing a remote broadcast. Just to, just to get advice. Okay, good stuff. Man, good stuff. I didn't tell you this before. I was at uh, Panera Bread one night, and I ran into Lady Jade. I didn't know who she was at first, and I yeah. realized it later on, but I had a wash shirt on when I went in, and she was like, wash? I know Jerry. I was like, yeah, that's my guy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah. man, things just, you know, when you when you speak those things and you believe and you stay consistent, you know, I, I can see how those things will, you know, Absolutely. turn around in your favor. Absolutely. I got to tell you sometime about uh, I got pulled on a project because uh, through my agency on another something other than film, but still video. And Lady Jade is actually the host. It's a national thing. It isn't even local, but it's crazy how, you know, how small the entertainment world is. Things come full yes, circle sir. for you. And I noticed right? you guys are saying washed. And of course, in your bio, of course, it says hashtag washed. So give us the uh, give us, give me the meaning behind that. Yeah. So you don't necessarily have to say wash because it's it's a term that you don't have to say hashtag because it's a term that has uh, was born in social media. 
So washed is short for washed up. And uh, recently, LeBron James, a couple years ago, made it really famous in that he started calling himself the Wash King. And it's apropos for LeBron James because he's been in the twilight of his career for, what, five years now? And he's still the best. So it's a it's a being washed is, you know, feeling like you're washed up and kind of a mental uh, a mental state. But in reality, you're not quite washed up. You know what I'm saying? But okay. it, it's how you it's how you feel mentally. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, the mental leads to the physical. OK, so give us a synopsis of the uh, the actual film itself then. Yeah. yeah. So it's uh, it, it, we've done two seasons of Washed. Season one was a single character lead. Uh, and then season two, we morphed into an ensemble because a lot of the fans from season one was like, we love the supporting characters. So we had to grow their characters and build it. So it's about a group of uh, 30-somethings experiencing a quarter-life crisis. Hmm. And they find themselves too old to just be dreamers, but just young enough to achieve those dreams they thought that they had when they were 18. Because all of us, I don't know if y'all like me, but when I was 18, when I saw myself turning 30, I was going to be either on my second contract in the NFL or the NBA, I was going to be a millionaire, and I was going to be married to the baddest chick like Beyonce or something. But then I wake up at 30, (laughs) and I am married to the baddest chick, but I'm not a millionaire. (laughs) (laughs) You can't have it all, right? (laughs) You can't have it all. But... uh, you know, and, and during the time when I came up with the idea for the show, to be to be honest, I had so I, I had just worked for the Rangers, won two regional Emmys. I went and got an MBA, and then I was like, I got to get an MBA job. I went and got that business job. It lasted one year, um, partially because it was a mutual thing, and I found myself unemployed with two degrees and two Emmys, and I was like. Wow, this is not where I expected to be yeah. at thirty. So I felt very much washed, and, um, and and a lot of times it's about redefining who you are and who you think you should be. Yeah. And a lot of times it's a blessing because you realize exactly who you are and not the perception of who you think you should be. Expound on that a little bit more, because I mean, when you say that, I mean, all of this pre-COVID, but you know mm-hmm. what you have just described with the now onset of COVID, many folks have find themselves at that very point in their life, trying to understand yeah. how to make sense of all this. Where do I go from here? I've been, you know, maybe I had a career in one area, one industry, that industry no longer exists. How do I pivot? Uh, so talk a little yeah. bit more about that. I think for me, and I don't know if this applies to everybody, it's like, what what really gets you up in the morning? What's going to sustain you when times are tough? And Hawk knows it. When we were doing this indie series, it was tough, man. We we shot for five months and, on, and shot only on the weekends because that's what schedule permitted. So I think it's a lot about finding what makes you tick. And hopefully what makes you tick can also make you <laughs> get paid. Um, but if it ain't getting paid right now, you know, Sometimes like what we did with Wash and a lot of those 150 people, they work their nine to five, right? But when they checked out of their nine to five, they checked into their passions. And then on the weekends, they put in that work. And that's kind of what led us to a daytime Emmy as an indie series. It's, it's I, I don't know, truly Dallas, you know, a lot of the media in Dallas, some of the, you know, the bigger gatekeeping media realize what we did and with how little to get a daytime Emmy as an indie series, we were in the same category as Netflix, Hulu, um, Apple. And yeah, it said Amazon Prime by us, but Amazon Prime didn't give us a penny. Um, so 
I, I think that was a long way of saying, <laughs> find out, you know, what makes you tick and then uh, just go for it and find a way to, to, to get it by any means necessary. Cause that's what we did. Yeah. Yeah. So what was it like though? I mean, to put in the work, put in the effort and then, you know, to then receive the Emmys. Oh man, it's, I hardly ever, I hardly ever allow myself to get happy, to be happy with the work. It's always criticize the work. How can you get better? How can you redefine, restructure the processes? How can you make the story better? How can you get, uh, you know, better people around you uh, to, you know, amplify your ideas or kind of fill in the gaps that, you know, I may lack or other team members may lack. But when we got that nomination, it was just, it felt, you know, you, you, I always say, you know, I don't need anybody to validate us, but damn it, it sure feels good. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it it was amazing. Go ahead, Hawk. I, I think certainly like you look like you're itching at the bit to ask something there, Hawk. Man, you know, uh, <clears throat> Couch mentioned something about, uh, you know, us working nine to fives and then showing up because it's something to make you tick. And, man, that's actually how I got involved because, to be honest with you, it, it was at a uh, – and I don't know if I've told Couch this, man, but it was at a rough time where I had, uh, like, in my personal life, had lost everything. I flipped down the car. uh uh, on a freeway, man. I was just like at a. I needed something to make me tick, man. And when I showed up on the wash set one day, it was my first project. It was that that thing that made me tick. So from that point forward, man, that's how I connected with Cal. Just showing up early, uh, learning uh, behind the set, and just staying true to it, man. And you know, he's right, man. When you find that thing that make you tick, that make you get up in the morning, that's what it's all about. Even if you know, it doesn't bring in the dividends at the moment or if it doesn't at all, man. You just find the things that make that the thing that makes you get up in the morning and go. And uh, I'm, I'm proud to be a part of Watchmen because it, it allowed me to have a vehicle to tick. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Ticking. Good stuff. You know, you said something there a moment ago, though, man, that I want to kind of dial back to is you talked about the fact that, uh, you know, again, we don't need someone to validate us. I mean, again, you don't want to, you know, be seeking validation, but. At the same time, I think sometimes we don't want to celebrate ourselves. We don't want to celebrate those moments that we work so hard yeah. for. Uh, and you talked about the fact that, again, you're like, hey, you know, we're always looking for how to improve ourselves, not even embracing the moment that we have to celebrate, but looking to improve ourselves. Talk about the challenges that you foresee, though, that one can have if you don't take time to celebrate those moments of success. Yeah, I've, I've been that person, Chris. Like, I've been that person. And even in going as far back, I don't like going back to high school, but even high school, college, and even ESPN, I was never, I never took time to, you know, celebrate what I was doing or really, you know, stand in that moment and look around and say, hey, this is, this is pretty cool. I've always been, what's next? What's next? What's next? And then next thing you know, it, all these things have passed. And I don't regret it because a lot of times it makes you who you are and it kind of gives you that edge and that chip. Um, but I would encourage folks sometimes to just, you know, if you're at an event or you're getting an award or you've accomplished something, you know, even at our premieres, like uh, we had 500 people show up for the premiere season wow. two. it. Luckily, it, luckily it happened two months before COVID. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, there was a couple moments where I stood back and see all these people swarming this theater. And it's like, wow, like, and it's scary too. Cause you're like all these people, even on a set of wash when I, when we had a big set and you took a step back, you're like, all these people are here because I asked them to be here. (laughs) And so, you know, it's humbling and and it's kind of scary, but I would encourage people to 
to enjoy themselves, celebrate themselves, and and, and put yourself in perspective. Because me as a competitor, I look at every TV show on TV and compare my independent television series in Dallas, Texas, to what they're doing, yeah. right? Now, that's good from a, a competitive and quality standpoint, but then at times I got to be like, well, they got half a million for an episode, and I had about 5,000. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you can't be too hard on yourself. Right. But no, I, and I, I'm glad you expounded on that, and I asked you that question because I, too, found myself many times just, you know, what's next, what's next, what's next? And you find yourself in a position to where others begin to see more in you than you see in yourself. And many times it's yeah. not a good place to be. Because then you sometimes lose sight of the value that you really bring because you haven't taken time to really assess. So others know your value more than you do. Uh, so when you start going out, shopping your project, shopping yourself, you know, getting booked for gigs, whatever, you may not bring the uh, get the full value of what you're worth uh, because you don't see that value. So, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, you got to You got to you got to embrace those moments. I wholeheartedly agree. And, uh, you know, they always talk about knowing your worth. But do you really know how to negotiate your worth? Like, wow. That's what you need to know. That takes us right into the next segment. That's what I want to talk about, the business aspect of it. Because, again, you know, we could say a lot of encouraging words to those who aspire to become writers, things of that nature. But you uh, have become successful at this thing and have not only understood the aspect of getting your films out there, but the business aspect of it, being able to grow your team and scale in the way that you have. Talk about what led to that. Yeah, I think so. I thought in season one we were good, but we had a lot of warts and I don't think good was going to get us to great. So what I did is I tore the whole, I tore it down, everything down. I tore the whole structure of the show on screen and behind screen to its core. And I asked every team member to concentrate on being great in one area. Cause in season one, it was like, you showed up to set Oscar could have tested this. You show up to set, you don't know what you're doing that day. And that's a, that's a very haphazard way of, of running a, a business to, to, so to speak. Uh, so I asked everyone to focus and, and concentrate on one, maybe two things because we were still small. And so what I did is I started building out the team, building in redundancy, building in uh, crew heads, people that were in charge of certain areas, and then adding production assistance or support into those areas. And then bringing on people that were smarter than me and better than me in certain areas. In season one, I was director of photography, lead writer, producer, director, craft services, you know, everything. So in season two, I didn't touch a camera. So I brought on a director of photography. And that's a huge thing when you yeah. when you go from touching the camera all, t all the time to not touching it at all. And now you're just communicating your vision with the director of photography and working with him to bring it to life. And Jamario Washington, he, he was our DP. He took it to heights I never thought could he could take it, right? He, he transformed the show. How can attest to that? Um, and the same thing with with every other area. Um, so that that's kind of um, and, and the reason why I think we were able to go from 30 to 150 people on the crew and cast was everybody wants a vision. Right. I think there's a I think there's an extreme lack of leadership uh, in every industry in the world. Right. So I think if you are a leader and everybody doesn't have to be a leader, I'm not saying that. If you're not a leader, that's fine. You can be an individual contributor and you can be more valuable than any other leader I could get, right? If you're All that right. talented, right? Um, but I consider myself a leader, right? So I provided a vision and I provided the blueprint and the roadmap, right? So 
when people saw that in Dallas, whereas in season one, I'm begging people to come help us. In season two, I had to turn away 100 people that tried out for new new roles, right? Yeah. So that, that's two different, uh, two different worlds and two different experiences I had as a leader, and I grew so much uh, by learning about people and just being in different situations. Wow. Cal, so let me ask you something. Okay, yeah. so from a viewer standpoint, uh, regardless of what we watch, we can watch Squid Games. Just from a viewer standpoint, sometimes we just look at it as who who wrote it, who produced it, yeah. who were the actors, but we're not thinking uh, in terms of uh, how it was marketed and the people behind the scenes and how how important those things are. Where did you learn to have that structure from, and how important is that? Yeah, I came up I came up the ESPN way, and I came up from the bottom of ESPN. Like I was a production assistant. I went out there and they had this program, bro. They, they hired you for seven months on a trainee program to prove yourself paying you 1096 an hour. And you had to drive yourself to Connecticut. Oh, <laughs> uh, and I did this during the recession. From Hutch? Uh, from from Hutch? Hutch? Yeah. 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 Well, I went from, I graduated UT, but I had moved back to oh, Dallas gotcha. and moved, moved to Connecticut. Um, so, and then, I don't know if y'all know this, ESPN doesn't do credits. They do credits one time a year, and that's on New Year's Eve, and they roll the credits really fast. So mm. you don't ever see your name. So I, I think that was a long way of saying, like, the P, I saw the machine working behind the scenes. Mm. And everybody that watches ESPN, they just see the, you know, what's on TV. Mm. I know, I knew what it, what it took to be great. And that's why in season one, I knew we weren't that. I, know we were, I thought we were good for what we had. I knew we weren't that, so I knew the value and the levels that we could reach because at ESPN, every single frame, and there's 24 frames per second, uh, depending on what format you're shooting in, and every pixel on a graphic is important. So that's kind of the approach I took um, that, that I take I took with Wash and that I take as a viewer when I'm watching TV. I'm, I'm analyzing everything that's happening um, from story to picture to you know marketing. Marketing's huge. Is that setting the stage for season three? <laughs> <laughs> you know how to ask. You know, I, you know, I, 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 every time somebody's asked me, uh, there isn't going to be a season three unless we can find some funding. But there, there's been some people sniffing around my my mailbox lately, so I you never say never, right? <laughs> you never know, man. Someone may just step up to the plate. But you know what? You said something right? that I think I, I don't want to miss it, and you talked about uh, that level of sacrifice that sometimes it takes to get you to where you want to go. Now, I always tell people uh, many times, if you really desire to do something, volunteer to do it to get the experience. Yeah. You did something pretty much close to volunteering at 96 <laughs> an hour and then driving yourself to yeah. Connecticut. But talk about that and that <laughs> level of sacrifice and why you could have easily said, no, man, I'm not going all the way out there for 1096 an hour. Talk about what, what led you to do it. Chris, I was making more money passing out flyers for Metro PCS at the Cotton Bowl than I was making as a production assistant at ESPN. Uh, it, it, the reason I did that is because I saw the the, the long-term goal. I saw the end point, right? Uh, they often say, you know, and I'm bad at this, but I'm trying to get better in film and TV. Don't start writing your story with the beginning in mind. Know, know the end point and come back and start writing the beginning. And I think that can apply to life, right? I knew passing out flyers, there was no end game in passing out flyers. Yeah. So, and I knew that I went to college, I did all, I did TV in college and I was pretty good at it. Right. 
And I knew that I can go make this sacrifice, put ESPN on my resume, pretty much go to grad school and learn everything I need to know about, you know, video, TV production. Um, so I did it and I jumped out there and I could do that at 22. Could I do that at 36 right now? Absolutely not. Yeah. But there are other ways of chasing your dreams at 36 or even like, you know, I was doing in my 30s and that was doing wash on the weekends and doing it in the evenings and chasing that dream that way. Um, so I, I never stopped chasing a dream. Um, and the reason I did that, cause the end goal is HBO. Yeah. I love it, man. I love it. You know, and again, if you've just joined us, uh, you, you know, you're right now, we're talking with Jared Koch. Couch. He is the director. He's a writer, producer and director, uh, two time Emmy uh, regional Emmy winner of uh, for the film Washed. And, uh, you know, again, great conversation, giving you some gems here, uh, some great principles for success. Uh, again, you know, we just talked about that making the sacrifice. Sometimes it really does require you to make a sacrifice. And again, you know, he said he did it at 22. You may not be 22, maybe you're a little bit older than 22. To, but it may require you to make that sacrifice to get you to where you ultimately want to be uh, again. So, Jared, hats off to you, man, for all that you've done. I want to come back to, again, as you talk to people who are aspiring to get into this field of film writing and, and producing and directing. What's your words? Uh, what word of advice would you give to them being this new climate that we're in with COVID? I think right now is a, is a fantastic time to work on your craft and really dive dive head into the details. Too many folks, I've seen too many rushed scripts, rushed projects, and the viewer knows it. They might not tell them, but they know it. Um, so right now is the time to slow down and really focus on making something substantial. So I, I would say, you know, what's key and what's been the key success for us, Oscar, Oscar could probably um, comment on this, is just the consistency. Like, you know, I will take consistently good over occasionally great any day of the week, right? So just if you're a writer, write consistently. And the more you write, the better you're going to get, right? And um, and then also, you know, research your craft. I, I mean, I've I've taken many a screenwriting class. Uh, I, I've written, you know, I've been the lead writer for 17 episodes of indie TV right now. But I still go back and read screenwriting books and make sure I'm hitting on, uh, on key points. Because whether y'all know this or not, and whether folks know this or not, uh, screenwriting isn't this artsy fartsy kind of like throwing words together. There's a science to screenwriting and the viewer knows it, whether they know it or not. When you go into a movie, you know, by, by, if you don't know what the movie's about 10 minutes in, you're probably going to change the channel or leave the theater. That's called the inciting incident. If my first turning point ha isn't happening between minute 30 and 35, you're going to, some in your head is going to be like, man, somebody write about this movie. So as a writer, you got to know those uh, th those cues and, and those formulas. And then then once you know those, you can get in there and kind of manipulate them and get creative with them. Uh, so not just writing, but any medium like get creative. Uh, you know, it's hard to shoot nowadays with COVID, as, as we can see, we're on a Zoom call. Right. Um, so it, it, it's not it's not easy, but it's, it's possible. I've seen people do it. I've done it. Um, so I would just you know, encourage you to keep going and keep, you know, learning. Hmm. Guess so. Hawk? So, Jared, <clears throat> switch it up a little bit. So we talked about you coming from humble beginnings, coming from, um, and a lot of people that are watching, they don't know about Hutch or where Hutch is, but <laughs> we we know. <laughs> we know. As, so we, as, as, my, as my wife says, it's a lean on me school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you gonna jump, Sam's jump. <laughs> right, it's one of those. So yeah. coming from that, uh, transitioning, going into uh, UT, having the success, working for US, uh, ESPN, uh, making the sacrifices that you've made, being an award-winning uh, 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 filmmaker, uh, the success with Washed, uh, the things that you have coming up, with all of these things that you have to show your accolades, how does that compare to being a dad to a little girl? <laughs> Man, you know, uh, it's, if y'all don't know, I just, my daughter turns nine months in a few days and uh, it's life changing, man. I, I didn't really quite understand or comprehend how, you know, dramatic of a life change it would be. And I didn't really understand how 24 seven is. There is no off button, right? <laughs> like you could not put that. It's not like my dogs where I could just put them in the backyard or put them in the room and, Say I'll be back in a couple hours. Like not, not at all, right? But uh, it, it, it's a it's a beautiful thing. Man. I never thought I'd be that guy. I, but but here I am, and I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Is so this your first kid? So first kid. Yeah, okay. First well, kid. congratulations. Thank you. And how does it compare? Um, I've never cried editing any of my other projects, but I did a little short documentary of my my daughter's birth, and I cried. Every single time I edit, and if anybody has ever edited anything, it means you have to watch it about fifty times. Yep. And it was so I, I didn't cry editing Wash, but I definitely cried editing my daughter's video. Yeah, yeah I'm so proud Good of you, thing. and I love her middle name, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now you have to give us what's, what's her middle name? Uh, Olivia. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, I know why he loves it. <laughs> <laughs> I had to put two and two together real quick. <laughs> yeah. You remember Liv on set. There you <laughs> go. Yeah. You know what? No, I, your daughter, that video you posted of your daughter on Facebook doing her little YouTube show was the cutest thing ever. I showed my Oh, life. man. So, <laughs> man, we'll talk. Yeah, we, we, we got to talk because I didn't know that Liv had a YouTube show. Uh, is it is it public, Hawk? You want to? Man, she did. She, she doesn't have a channel. I'm going to say okay. yes. She doesn't have a channel, okay. but she did like I just cut the camera on and she just was in her room and, and she was acting like she had a channel. And man, it looked so good, man. We did it in one shot, so she might be a natural. Hey, so the seed yeah. is planted. The seed is planted. So look for it coming soon. We'll be talking about it soon next. And we'll be doing an interview with Liv in just a moment. Yeah. She told me she's already famous because she's been like in, included in Watch. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll go. We'll go ahead and get this uh, Disney uh, pilot episode written and, and, and put her in that and let her uh, put her acting skills to work. There you go. Let's do it. Let's do it. I, I love it. I love it. You know, uh, Jared, I want to talk with you about something you said a moment ago that I think is key. And really, when we talk about principle for success, I think most folks could probably glean from that, uh, whether it's entrepreneurship or whether it's film directing or producing. You talked about the fact that you gave up you, I guess, put your ego aside and you brought in another DP to allow this DP yeah. to do the work and you to sit back and observe. And you really learned a great deal in that process. Talk about maybe first of all how difficult of a process that was for you but then how great it paid off for you when you did yeah no it, it actually wasn't that difficult a process for me because i knew uh, my limitations and i knew how hard it was for me on set if anybody has ever seen credits roll if you ever if you ever watched how many people are involved in making film or tv it's a lot of people so when i got a chance to bring him on board i will tell you this is what was tough chris is that I have this knack of taking almost about any Starbucks meeting that comes my way 
And my wife says, stop that. Like, stop meeting everybody at Starbucks because 95% of them are dead ends. Well, I met Mario, and Mario was looking to jump from an assistant camera because his, his full-time job is film, right, film and TV. And he, he's been an assistant camera person uh, for a long time. He was looking to make the jump for DP. So we met at Starbucks, and we talked for two hours about lighting diagrams. And, and at the end, I'm like, all right, well, just send me your demo reel. I can take a look, and we can, you know, we can explore this further. Well, come to find out, he kind of he, he kind of put me off for a little bit on the demo reel, kept pushing me off, and he didn't have a demo reel, right? He had a few things he worked on. But I knew if somebody could sit with me for two hours and break out light lighting diagrams from TV shows on TV and then break out diagrams of season one and tell me what he would have done better or what he would have done differently in season one to watch, if he could do that for two hours, you can't fake that. So I took a shot on him. That was the tough thing. It was like, all right, I knew in the back of my head, all right, if he if he sucks, then I can jump in and I can salvage it, right? Um, it's kind of like when Kanye, when Rockefeller signed Kanye West, Kanye was like, they knew if if my music was whack, they can just throw Cameron on the album to save it. So I knew I could jump on there and save it. Um, so that was the only tough part. But once, after the first day on set with him and saw, seeing him move and see how much perfection he is, I was like, man, I can focus on talking to the actors. I can focus on other aspects of the show and he can worry about that. You know, I still, still I'm still involved, but I don't have to have 100% attention over there. So that was tough. And I think, you know, to, to, end, to add one little thing, as far as like ego, I think it's very important from a leadership standpoint to check your ego and to always, again, have the end goal in mind because there was a few instances, you know, while shooting where I had some actors blow up on me. Or I had some people say some things I didn't like, right? And my ego, going back to Wilmer Hutchins, wanted to pop off, right? I want, I wanted to say something crazy. But as the leader, I knew there was 150 people chasing their dreams through this show and through me. And if I pop off or I fire somebody or I say, all right, we don't need you no more, we can't finish the show, right? We don't have the money to go back and recast. We don't have the money to go back and get these locations. So you know what? I'm going to put my ego to the side and I'm not going to let anybody get in front of this show getting done, including myself. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's important, you know, for any leader to keep in mind. Man, that's extremely important. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's tough. Because like a lot of times, I mean, what you just said there, I mean, you see so many organizations uh, fold uh, because of the fact that ego gets in the way. Somebody's, you know, trying to do something that really they probably not be may not be the most skilled at doing. Uh, or again, the blow up when someone says something that maybe they don't like or something of that nature. So uh, you've said a lot in that in that piece. And I think we really do need to take heed to that. Your wife said something that I think is extremely important as well. Stop meeting everyone at Starbucks. Man, gosh, <laughs> put that on a T-shirt, man, because... <laughs> I, used to, I mean, I used to be that guy, too. I mean, and it's not like you used to, yeah. I used to, because I know what it's like to be the guy who's seeking to try to get answers. So you didn't yeah. try to be there for everybody else. But then there's only yeah. so much of you and there's only so much that you can do. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Please. One of the worst ways to, to even invite me to a meeting is to ask me to go to a coffee meeting. I don't drink coffee, first right. of all. Uh, <laughs> so when you invite me to a coffee meeting, it's like I immediately know that that's not a meeting that I want to take. Thankfully, you did take that meeting. And this young man didn't work out for you. Uh, but yeah, I don't, that's, yeah. But hats off to your wife for the coffee thing. I can get, I can get lost the, right there. I guess the only good, the, the only good thing about COVID is you're like, hey, let's just have a Zoom call real quick. You know? <laughs> and it could go, it, it's a 10 minute commitment as opposed to an hour commitment. 
yeah. but yeah, no, I, I, I've learned quickly. You know, I, I, I want to be that guy there for every aspiring filmmaker or somebody who wants to get in the game, and I want to give everybody a chance. But everything I say yes to, that means I'm saying no to something else. That's exactly So, it. you know, you got to be smart, you know. So I, I, I've learned. I've grown. I don't. I, I learned a lot over the past five years Yeah. <laughs> about me and about everybody else around me. Good stuff. Good stuff. And, then, and as we get ready to land the plane, talk about, I mean, the important role as an entrepreneur, the role that your spouse does play. And then many times we don't uh, always think about that aspect of it. We think about the fact that this is our vision. This is something that we want to do. But when you've got a family and you've got that spouse, uh, they've got to take that road with you. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you something I did in season one. I did do it in season two because we had too many people. But in season one, I asked everybody to send me three names of people they wanted to thank in the credits. And I put those three people in the credits. And most of the times it was your spouse. And I say that to say is because everybody is uplifting you. Everybody is allowing you to chase your dream. Right. And my wife, without her, I wouldn't have been able to do anything. Right. She's the one that was like, okay, go spend 40 hours every weekend shooting this TV show. I'll take care of everything at home. Right. Um, even, you know, I have my own agency and I was working, you know, Monday through Friday on other projects. Right. But any entrepreneur knows there are good weeks, there are good months, mm-hmm. there are bad months. There are months you're like, man, the good times going to roll forever. Like this money flowing in, we're going to be good. But then there's months where you don't know where your next check's coming from. And, um, I've had her support, you know, unwavering. What is that word? She's been there, <laughs> yeah. you know, full support all the way through um, and allowed me to do some of the things. And even when, you know, I had to reach into our bank account and fund to make sure that the TV show got done. She was cool with it. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> she she didn't she didn't give me too much, uh, too much flack for it. So everybody needs that strong backbone, whether it's your spouse or your family or someone, because somebody is helping you take care of home when you out there chasing your dreams. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hawk, anything from you? What do you have going on now? Outside of uh, Washed? So I have a couple of short films uh, that I'm working on. I've talked to you about one of them. Uh, So working on those, uh, before we hopped on here, I announced a casting call for the other one. Uh, It's it's small, but uh, I think it's, it's, it's powerful. Uh, working on a very powerful documentary about the criminal justice system and how they manipulate women of co- color, specifically black women, uh, working with Starling Thomas, a writer for WASH. One of the things I'm trying to do is continue working with people from WASH. And it might not be all of us together, but maybe on different projects. Um, and then so those those three projects are really and then I'm writing I'm writing a feature film film of my own and kind of serving as a consultant because I'm the director on another potential feature slash short film. We haven't decided exactly where it's going to be yet. So I'm, I'm, I'm using COVID. I've used COVID to kind of develop projects and really not rush anything. I've, you know, that's, that's my motto right now is don't rush anything because, you know, ain't nobody's waiting for something you rushing to do. So get it right. They'll see it when they see it. Good stuff. Good Man, stuff. I like the I like the fact that you you said that you're utilizing the people in Wash. So it's basically like you're being the RZA and it's the Wu Tang Clan, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the thing about it is you don't know you don't know how talented the folks are around you, man. They they, they get in one role for Wash, and then you start working with them on other stuff, and you realize how you know. Damn, we all got multiple, you know, very talented. So, um, and I want I just want to keep it keep it Dallas, man, and keep it keep it within the family, you know. 
Good stuff. Respect, Good stuff. man. Appreciate it. So, Jared, how do folks uh, contact you if they want to reach out to you? Again, not maybe necessarily for a Starbucks meeting, but if they wanted to just contact <laughs> you and just keep keep up with what you're doing. Yeah. So uh, Instagram, very active on there. Not as active as I used to be before my daughter, but uh, the creative couch on Instagram uh, and my website is the creative couch TV. Um, you know, you can see some of the work on there. You could actually watch watch wash season one and season two. You can watch season two on Amazon. Um, so, yeah, you know, if you want to slide in my DM, slide in it. But it might not be a coffee. It might be a 10 minute Zoom. <laughs> there you go. There, a 10 minute Zoom then. Hey, you, whatever you have, again, if you're aspiring to be a writer or whatever you're looking to do in that space, again, Jared's, uh, we heard his bio in the beginning. If you caught us in the middle of the show, then make sure to go back to the beginning because, again, he's got a wide array of experience. Uh, he's a writer, director, and producer, uh, Emmy Award winning uh, writer, director, and producer. So, again, be sure to check out all of the work that he's doing. Jared, thank you so much for spending time with us, man. We appreciate it. Chris Hawk, thank Thanks, you guys man. so much. This, this was a blast. Absolutely. Our pleasure, man. All right. Well, stick around. We got more coming up just on the other side of this. Take a look at this. We'll be right back. Well, welcome to the show. It is the Principles for Success podcast. I'm Chris Howell and Oscar Hawk. Coco Raleigh. We have got a power pack show lined up for you today. We're going to be talking about a number of things. And I think on this show, we're not we're not afraid to ask certain questions and delve into certain uh, conversations. So I think this this show is very unique. It's dynamic. One of my greatest fears was failure. And it wasn't until I removed that barrier that I really began to press in uh, to allow me to have some form of success. Coco, where do you find this stuff? (laughs) (laughs) Took five hours. And so everything is just being about, I want to just go like, what can I do without saying, if if this don't happen, then I'm going to do this. So my principle of success is go get the ball. Wow, man, you really go deep when you wear a jacket. Go get the ball. <laughs> you wore a jacket and everything tonight, Coco. Yes, I seen that. I came in, I was like, wait a minute. Just got off work. I'm glad we have you because, again, I don't think anyone can find the type of stuff that you have. Well, now I guess we have to let the audience know what yeah. we're talking about. This kind of an inside joke. You're a Cowboys fan. When my man is a Cowboys fan. Last week, though, hit really hard, though, when you said plan A. Like, I've been just thinking about that since I left last week. You know, you kind of make a person kind of dig deep within self. And I'm starting to see, even with shooting our third show, I'm starting to see that already. But there's such a unique chemistry with all three of us, including uh, our engineers and and our our camera people, man. It's just such a dynamic. You got to feel it once you're in the room. Absolutely. Keep bringing it. Keep bringing it. I'm like, how long are you in the air? You had time to think. Okay. But I was quiet. (laughs) So this is a fish story. (laughs) You know, and so our guests have felt it. We feel it. And I just think it's headed towards a great place. I'm excited and I'm just so yeah, principal success. Let's get it. So again, thank you for listening to the show. Again, want to invite you to join us at uh, chrishowonline.com on YouTube. Check us out. And again, we'll see you next time. All right. Welcome back to the show again. So it was a great interview here this evening with Jared Couch. Again, great, wonderful talking with him and all the work that he's doing. So, again, make sure you go and follow his pages and just keep up with the great work because there was uh, a little bit of a hint there, Hawk, that there may be a season three of Watched. Yeah, I heard it, man. I heard it. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll man. See. Absolutely. Well, as we get ready to close out tonight's show, uh, Hawk, of course, we, we can't end without giving our success principle. So uh, what is your success principle for this evening? All right, man. You know, today, man, I was reminded of uh, when I was a teenager, man, I had a basketball coach 
And I don't know if he's watching or if he's going to hear this, man. Shout out to – I call him Coach, but his name is uh, Fred Lynch, man. Or Coach Lynch is what we call him, Coach Lynch. And, um, man, he used to drive through our neighborhood and pick up kids who just wanted to play basketball. What was so significant about that is that he used to pick us up in a limo. So we were some young kids, man, just experienced what it's like to be, you know, maybe some of us were underprivileged, but to have something to inspire us to. So we would get in this limo and he would take us to tournaments and we played for different teams. And I remember one uh, uh, instance in particular, man, we went to uh, Paul Quinn College to go play another team. And so as we're on the basketball court, man, I'm let, let, we're killing them. How? We're killing them. Yeah. I mean, it's getting towards the end of the game and we're killing them. But the other team, they were upset and they wanted to, you know, uh, frustrate us. And they, get, they got us to a point to where we wanted to fight on the court. All of us were ready. And I remember Coach calling a timeout. He brought us to the sideline and he said, you know what? Y'all forgetting something. We're winning the game. So when you go back in there, don't say anything. And when they say something, just point at the scoreboard. So I just want to give some advice to as we're going into a new year, man. Sometimes when you use all of that energy to try to prove a point instead of honing your skills, man, you're really hurting yourself. Even sometimes when we wait on karma to happen to other people, you're really hurting yourself. In this new year, man, I hope that a principle for success that we can all use is use that energy so that you can get to a point to where you're perfecting your skills. And at the end of the game, all you have to do is point at the scoreboard. Wow. I like that, man. I like that. You always bring a great perspective, man. And I really appreciate that. Uh, I want to just, again, what I'll leave you with tonight is just tell you again, take the brakes off. Uh, as, as Hawk has talked about, as we get ready for a new year, uh, and you don't necessarily even have to wait till the new year, but take the brakes off of yourself. Uh, so many times we wait until things are just right. Oh, I've got to do this first. I've got to do that first. And now I'm not saying just jump out there haphazardly. I am saying get your ducks in a row. But what I am also saying, though, is don't sometimes you wait a little bit too long. Uh, we've got it to a place to where it's it's presentable. It could be presented to the market, but we're still holding on because we're trying to get it so perfect. It's never going to be perfect. You know, in fact, there's a saying that says if you are not embarrassed, if you are not embarrassed by your first work, you started too late because that means you waited so long until you got everything so perfect before you presented it. And sometimes somebody else has already come along with the idea. What I want to encourage you to do is once you've done your due diligence, once you've done your business plan, you put your things in order and you feel like, you know what, you've got something to take to the market, take it to the market and let the market help you to correct it and perfect it as you go. But stop delaying it. You've been delaying it for years now. You've been saying you're going to put your book out. You've got the book written and now you keep going back and revising it. You know what? Go ahead and put it out. Do it. If you're not embarrassed by your first work, you started too late. Perfect it as you go. You can never you don't have to be great to get started, but you have to get started in order to be great. So with that, have a great evening and we'll see you next time. To learn more about Principles for Success and Chris Howell Communications, visit chrishowellonline.com. Once there, access our media archive and find out about the other ways that Chris Howell Communications can inspire, impact, and inform.